0: I'm Jessica McCullough, the Masterbooks Customer Experience Manager. I am thrilled to be joined today by Carrie Bailey. Carrie is the author of our early learning courses, Stepping Stones and Simply K. She's the co author of Math Lessons for a Living Education, Level K, and she is also the author of Catch On to Cursive. Welcome to the Masterbooks Podcast, where we bring you conversations that will strengthen your biblical worldview and the faith of your family. I'm Jennifer White, publicist at Masterbooks, a division of New Leaf Publishing Group. As host of this show, I'll be opening the doors to the Masterbooks family library of books, authors, and curriculum. For over 45 years, our company has been about one thing, ink on paper to touch eternity. In a world increasingly at war with God, we are publishing to partner with you to disciple your family, the church, and the nations. Thank you so much for being here with me today, Carrie. Thank you for having me. We're going to be talking about the importance of proper brain development. Carrie um, has been an amazing addition to the Masterbooks team of authors because of her understanding and ability to keep things developmentally appropriate for today's student. So before we jump in, Carrie, will you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and your background?
1: Sure. Um, I have a degree in early childhood education. And I have had some years teaching in the school system and several years homeschooling my own children, which also has presented some challenges. I have also taught a year at special education and have some graduate hours in that. And then I've also like taught at my church and helped with like curriculum things there as well for several years.
0: Okay, awesome. Thank you. So here at Masterbooks, we often talk about curriculum being developmentally appropriate. So what is what do we mean by that term when we say developmentally appropriate? And how does this connect with the concept of proper brain development?
1: Okay, so developmentally appropriate means that it is on our child's level where they are in their development. It doesn't necessarily mean that, okay, all first graders should be reading or that they should even be reading the same material. It doesn't mean that they aren't progressing because to develop and to be developmental means that it is progressing, um, that it's it's changing over time, It, it is growth related. And so we see those growths it just may not be at the same rate as the child next to them. So what we are doing by saying it's developmentally appropriate is making it where each child can succeed at the rate that they are at. And then also taking into account what is appropriate for that age level, Um, not just academically, but physically, um, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all of those things come together to make up who we are. And so by only addressing one of those areas, that's not always the most developmental approach. It's usually actually not the most developmental approach um, because we're just focusing on one area and not the whole entire individual.
0: Okay. So kind of like um, maybe in a snapshot of that would be when we're looking at what is developmentally appropriate, where we're looking at the whole child instead of just one aspect of the child and where they're at in that one aspect, we're kind of looking at all of the different components that make up each individual person.
1: Yes, and then we also have to take into account, I mean, it's just like you and I, God made each of us unique. You have strengths that I don't have. I have strengths that you don't have. And so we celebrate those with when we can focus on the child's development and where they are, then we are celebrating that child as being valuable for the strengths and weaknesses that they do have. And even as we are grown, fully grown individuals, you and I still, you have strengths and I have weaknesses and I have strengths and you have weaknesses. They aren't the exact same. You may have walked before me. You may have talked before me, but here we are now. And our development is, you know, it's similar. Um, there are, you know, areas in genes as far as genetics and things like that, that I may have developed where you did not develop as quickly. But that's okay. We still ended up to be a grown adult, you know, capable of communicating and thinking and and successful in life. Both of us are, you know. So um, what we do is, A lot of times we like to teach to the masses and we like to say, well, here, this is what this age level should know and should be doing when instead, if we take a step back and say, well, what, what should they actually be doing? What are they capable of as far as their development? And when we stop trying to teach to the masses, we actually help improve not just our own children's self-esteem, But their overall outlook on life, their overall outlook on learning, we reduce stress for them, which is huge in learning. Who wants to learn when they're stressed? You know, we often use that analogy of trying to get in a tornado shelter or learn how to, you know, what would you do if the hurricane comes? Well, if they've never been taught that before and never practiced that in that moment when that hurricane is hitting, That's a stressful time. It's not the time to learn how do we protect ourselves in a hurricane. So that's kind of what you have to think about is is promoting that love of learning. If we can promote the love of learning at a young age and not make it um, so structured and so um, rigid, I'll use that word, um, then, you know, that's going to help our children be successful in life in whatever they go to do. Because anyone who loves learning constantly wants to keep learning their whole life, even me. You know, there are things that I want to keep learning. So
0: absolutely. I love the um, how, you sa- how you said that we should be celebrating our differences. Um, definitely. That's something that I even talk about with my kids, because I yeah. think that is so important. It's important for us to model that for our children and for our children to learn that at an early age. Absolutely. So. You um, talked a little bit about this, but uh, maybe you could go into it a little bit more. Why is this proper brain development such an important thing for us to focus on? What benefits do we see when we take this into account with the way that we're teaching our
1: children? Well, too often, like I discussed, we hold an inflexible belief of what academics should be and who is valuable and who is intelligent. And we think it you know, needs to look a certain way when in fact it doesn't. And so by celebrating who that child is and honoring all learners, um, that is going to meet those needs on that whole child approach like we talked about. And that's going to help them be successful and to progress actually more than they would have if we were just trying to have that inflexible learning style. Absolutely,
0: that's so good. Um, As moms, we've likely experienced what can feel like some pushback from our kids, especially Mm -hmm. if we have introduced heavy academics at an early age. And, And that pushback can exhibit itself as struggles with academics, behavior issues, learning issues, Um, A dislike of learning or or a host of other ways it could um, present itself. Is there anything scientific that backs up this very day to day real life experience that so many of us have?
1: Um, Yes. So I actually found an article that I kind of want to read just part of it because I feel like it answers this question so well. Um, So. Obviously, if I'm pushing my child and they're under stress because of me trying to push them and push them and push them to perform, okay, that's the other issue: is that we want our children to perform. Um, we we don't. Performance is not learning. Um, I am actually a prime example. I was an honor student in high school and in college. There are things that I do not even remember learning. Or can't recall now. Whereas I have a child at home, and my husband is like this too. That they can recall all different kinds of things that they learned. And my one son, I mean, he he loves to read. He just enjoys learning new things and new facts and about everything. And so he learns it, but he also retains it because he's enjoying what he's doing. It's not stressful for him. He reads before he goes to bed every night, and that. That is his choice that he is choosing to do so and there is not pressure on him to come out and perform and prove that yes, I've learned this information. So, um, and children in the US do worse than kids in comparable countries. This distressing information comes from an organization for economic cooperation and development. Study of five-year-olds, for years, the OECD has been examining the academic achievement of 15-year-old students from around the world and recently extended its work to the younger group. On average, American children had lower literacy and numeracy scores, poorer self-regulation skills, that's the sensory components, and engaged in fewer acts of cooperation, kindness, and pro-social behaviors than did children in England and Estonia, which were other countries that were studied. Just about the Only bright spot was that US children were roughly equivalent to their international peers on some but not all social emotional measures. These findings didn't get very much attention though because of the COVID outbreak in 2020. And so um, they didn't come as a surprise to others, but other recent research has shown that about half of American children are not on track in at least one critical area of school readiness. Because the OECD report looked at kids who were just starting school it was a powerful reminder that we have lost sight of something basic learning begins on the first day of life and not the first day of class the earliest years of a child's life are full of opportunity a child's brain will never be more receptive to experience more plastic than it is during its just pivotal time nearly 85% of brain growth occurs between birth and age 3 During this period, one million neural connections per second are formed. Two decades of child development research tell us that small kids need two things, two, above all else, to get the best possible start. Number one is nurturing interaction with caregivers and protection from toxic stress. And so what have we done? I just talked with a friend who's still in a public school setting teaching kindergarten. Kindergarten, these children are five and some of them may have just turned five on August the 1st and they're in your classroom on August 15th. And what are we doing? They can't even read aloud to these children. And do you know the benefits of read aloud time? I'm like, this makes absolutely no sense. I was like, hey, I have these books for you to use, you can use in your classroom to read aloud. And she was like, oh, well, we don't get read aloud time anymore. We're doing this and I won't name it because I don't know about it, but she called off this curriculum that they're using and they may have to read, but it's a set book. There's no time for any of their um, uh, what units, studies where we focus on like farm or anything like that. You can learn about farm animals, learning about things in real life. It's all gone because we try in the, especially in America to keep pushing down the academics. She told me that her children are having to write three sentences. These are five-year-olds. We have seen the hand development. I know that you have even shared that before of, of the development of the bones in the hand. They're not even developed at age five. And we're asking five and six-year-olds to write three sentences about a topic. It's, it's just crazy. I mean, I don't even know what else to say. But it shows that what we are doing, obviously, is not working. Our children are actually struggling because we're trying to push academics. And we feel this pressure that's unneeded. And it's time that we as parents stand up and say, hey, that's not right. This is what's right for us. And this is what's right for my child. And those things, those academic things will come. It's not about the performance. In a public school setting, it's about the performance. We have, they have to measure. And that's what they do. They measure academics. They don't measure anything else but the academics. So let's stop. Let's change our and and go back to what really matters. Again, those two things are nurturing interaction with caregivers and protection from toxic stress. I can tell you from putting my own son in public school for a short term, it was very toxic stress, very much so. Um, And I regret ever doing it. But again, I can't go back and undo that. I just have to keep moving forward. But if I could encourage anyone, I would encourage them to homeschool because nowadays it's not just the stress on the child, but it's that stress on that teacher, which then they're not going to be a nurturing caregiver if they are completely stressed out all the time. So that's unfortunately um, a consequence, a negative consequence to pushing down education. Absolutely. Wow.
0: Some of that was really eye-opening and some of the findings there. So um, kind of along some of these same lines, but something that I have found interesting Um, is that my children don't even play the same way that I played as a child. And I first noticed this when my oldest was very young. And I originally kind of chalked it up to differences in personalities. But over the years, I began to realize that this is something that's actually occurring with most children, simply Mm -hmm. because our society is so different today than it was several decades ago. And I've recently even heard about some studies that have been done that have highlighted the differences with kids today Mm -hmm. compared to when you and I were young. So keeping this in mind, um, can you talk about why the curriculum that was used possibly successfully, you know, even 15 to 20 years ago, simply really, it it just can't
1: address the needs that today's students have? Well, so you are correct. Um, Today, if we look at it, you know, there are things that we have. There's way more toys, way more TV, way more electronics. And those things, that's, that's one of the reasons, like, for instance, in the curse of course, that we are having to put in core exercises. Whereas when I, I was a child, those things were unheard of. Um, our children didn't need as much OT because they were out with the stick in the mud. or jumping on a trampoline or riding their bicycles. And I know a, a lot of homeschoolers do a fabulous job at getting their children outside, connecting them with nature. Um, it is actually proven. I was reading something else because I have children with ADHD. So I was reading something else that there is a study that proves that children with ADHD do better by playing outside in nature, in the sunshine. It increases, um, I think it was like, it's vitamin. That they needed to, but it helps them so much more than doing those exact same activities outside as inside. So they've done a study to compare the two versus inside. And some of that too is the world that we live in. You know, parents are afraid to let their children go outside and play. You know, even from when my first son was born, he's going to be 16 in October, until my last son, you know, there's a huge difference on what might have been allowed for my first son to do and my last son to do. Same thing with me. There were things that my parents allowed. You know, I talked with a friend and she was like, well, we drove at 17 across country, you know, from Arkansas to California just me and my friend." Well, no one, well, okay, maybe someone might. But, you know, now we stop and think, there is no way I'm letting my child do that. You know, it's not safe. And there's tons and tons of factors that we have to account for. You know, um, my, my best advice is to try to get them outside. You know, even if it's a swing set in the backyard um, for 30 minutes a day, that's going to, I, I can tell you, even with anxiety and depression, it's huge. You know, those those things are, are, are necessary. So c- curriculum, years ago was honestly was more academic based because homeschooling also wasn't as widely accepted. As a matter of fact, a lot of times it was illegal to even homeschool. So the curriculum that came out back then, a lot of times was based on what the education, the the public education system would do. And then they would try to um, incorporate some type, usually some type of scripture along with that. So the problem is, is, that it, I don't want to say that it's archaic, but it's more on that um, performance mindset than a whole child developmental mindset. It also, like masterbooks, we talked about that they um, infuse the word of God within their courses. And so a lot of times the ones who started years ago didn't really have that infusion. It was more of just thrown in there as a, let's add this in, or they may have it separated where it's just, here's our Bible class, and then here's the rest of our academics. So they may have done it that way. And, you know, some people may prefer that. But I feel like when we do that, it's almost like us teaching our child in just the one area. Because you can't remove the bible from everything in life and only focus on let's say just math or just language arts because i mean look at the bible that's that's language that's communication to us that's that right there is language arts and so when we remove all of that that's when we again are just focusing in one area instead of the whole picture and, and infusing that word in every subject.
0: Great. So kind of along the lines of moving in the direction of spiritual things like, and as we've discussed today, we care a lot about healthy development of each individual child, but that goes beyond just academics or physical development. We we care about the spiritual development of each child as well. Um, We are passionate here at Masterbooks with starting every resource with the foundation of a biblical worldview. We like to say that Masterbooks curriculum is gospel infused, not gospel starved. Um, So with this in mind, how does scripture tie in with the idea of proper brain development?
1: So, um... I like to look back to the word of God for that answer. So we know that Jesus grew in stature. He also grew, you know, we look at when he was younger, when he was 12 and he went into um, the temple, and was talking with priests and he was teaching them and Mary didn't know where he was and she came. When she came to him, she made him leave and go home with her. And she knew it wasn't his time yet. She knew that he had not grown maybe maturity-wise, to handle everything he needed to handle. And I find that amazing because, again, she's the mother. He was God in flesh, but she's the mother of that God in flesh saying, hold on, you're not ready for this. Then later we see him go um, for his first miracle, um, turning water into wine. And she tells them, take it to Jesus. You know, he's going to, he'll take care of this. And he tells them, you know, it's not time. And she again says, take it because she knew it was time. And I find that valuable of the mother and the instinct that she had and the wisdom that she had. Um, we've been studying Proverbs at home this year with our, we're doing Bible quizzing and it talks about, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom fools despise wisdom and instruction. Um, you know, I can go on and on and on obviously in proverbs about the knowledge of God and learning isn't just without well, learning without that it's void. You know, the Bible tells us the word of God does not return void. And so without the word of God, then there it is void. And so we can't Again, we cannot take away the scripture from what we are doing. We cannot take away um, learning to be wise, um, you know, not in our own eyes, of course, as it says, be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, depart from evil. Those are the things that help us to be more knowledgeable, um, not It's not just an isolated subject that we're doing. We are learning how God is magnificent and how great and powerful he is by seeing the way that a honeybee works. You know, there are so many things about a honeybee, just a honeybee that, you know, you sit and I just marvel at it. I'm in awe because God created that creature to do these amazing things. They each have their own little job. The ant, it has its own job. It doesn't have a guide, overseer, or ruler, but it has its own job. And and seeing all of that and understanding science and how God created everything to work together. I don't know how you can take that away and understand science in at all. I mean, you know, I'm just like, how do you do that? The days of creation, how he created one thing first and the next thing last, you know. All of that, there was an order and there was a plan. And we need to take that into account when teaching our children. Absolutely.
0: That's that's so good and so true. Um, so kind of to, to close this out, my last question that I have for you today is a little bit of a wrap-up. Um, why do you feel that masterbooks is a smarter way to homeschool?
1: So when I was in college. Um, for learning how to teach. Um, One of the things that my professor said to us was work smart, not hard. And I've heard other people say that too. But that is huge because a lot of times we as homeschoolers feel like we need to teach every single thing all day long. You know, we're worried of not measuring up, not to our standards, but to that performance mindset that the public system has set, um, so breaking that mold, you know, we we are focused on that, and so we need to break that mold. And <clears throat> Master Books, there's brain research done on how often we we um, study something, and it's about 15 minutes. Some people might can do 20, but 15 minute increments study this for 15 minutes, stop and take a break and do something else for 15 minutes. It's proven not just with like people with ADHD, but it's proven in in typical, you know, brains that okay, this is what we do. If we study for 15 minutes, you are more likely to retain the information that you get in that 15 minutes of time than if you had studied for an hour. And all of that, um It's pretty much what Masterbooks does. It gives you those bite-sized chunks of information that help you to retain that. And over time, you are recalling more information. Um, You're becoming a better student because you're also not bogged down and overwhelmed. You know, recently I was talking with someone whose child, um, they are struggling in a public school setting and the teacher had sent home this worksheet that had. Tons of math problems all over it. I know you've seen those, you know. And that's the thing. Like Masterbooks doesn't have that. The child immediately shuts down when they see the page full of math problems because they are overwhelmed. So they took it to their tutor, and their tutor rips the page in half and says, That's overwhelming. We only let's focus on half of this at a time. And that's kind of the masterbooks um approach in offering. How much material and how long a lesson should last, um, because that's proven, it's been proven over and over again that this is what's best in learning, and the way that people learn best is in short chunks.
0: Awesome, so true, and I think, um, I can say just from my own personal experience with my children, um, seeing. Their ability to kind of grasp the material, retain the material, um, even in conversations later on, it could be months later, they can they can bring up something that they previously learned because they were able to actually retain the information because they were not sitting in front of the book for an hour, yes. you know, and taking yes. so long on this topic. Um, what a difference it's made in our
1: homeschool, mm-hmm. for sure absolutely do that mm-hmm. absolutely that's one of the things i even love um about math lessons for a living education is it also teaches them for instance measurements like the way that it teaches it my children have retained that for years you know and it's amazing because i did not you know in like the public school setting i'm not even sure that they taught us that you know but I'm sure maybe they did. I don't know, but again, that's one of those things where I'm prime example. You know, it was more of a learn this to perform well on a test instead of learn this to apply it to our life. Exactly. such
0: a different, a different way, a different approach to presenting the material. Absolutely. Um, so thank you so much uh, for taking the time to share with us today, Carrie, and give us all the wisdom that you have and share you know, some of the science that's come out, that's backing up some of these concepts that we've been talking about for quite some time. So we appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you for having me. So in a world that is screaming at us to constantly push harder, push our kids harder, push ourselves harder. It's really refreshing to hear um, your understanding on this topic. And then also how the word of God supports us in this and how we saw like you um, gave the example of Mary, the mother of Jesus and her wisdom in knowing when was the right time to, you know, pull back or to push forward. When was the right time to do those things? Um, So that was just so refreshing to hear that. Uh, If if you would like to check out any of the courses that Carrie has authored, that would be stepping stones, simply K math lessons, K, and catch on to cursive you can check those out at our website masterbooks.com and you can also preview the extensive previews that we have there thank you hey thanks for joining the masterbooks podcast this was fun and we are really glad you were with us we invite you to check out masterbooks.com we have a big library of books that will feed the faith of your family and hey Subscribe to our channel so you won't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.